this is Neil Grant, the author of the book soon to be published, Words of Wisdom from a Christian Mentor, Practical, Real Life, and Holistic Advice for the Graduate Transitioning into Adulthood. In my introductory podcast, I provided a background for the book and how it evolved from my early mentoring activities of helping young people with their job search by reviewing their resume and then conducting mock interviews to help them prepare for that all-important job interview. More recently, I've provided short write-ups providing advice to address personal, financial, and job-related topics, as well as write-ups to enhance their spiritual lives. This holistic approach to giving advice from my personal experience was appreciated and eventually grew into a 34-chapter book full of advice on many subjects. This podcast will address the first two topics relating to your personal life, namely contentment and carelessness. Regarding contentment, I expect that at least one time this past month or week, you probably compared one of your traits to that of another person, or compared your car or other possessions to theirs, or your looks to another, or any aspect of your life to theirs, and left dissatisfied with what you saw or believed. That's human nature in a nutshell. One of the things that will haunt or preoccupy you for years is envy. Whether it be that someone has more money, a better job, a nicer house, a sweeter car, or whatever. This can be subtle or controlling, but more than likely that feeling will always be there when you compare yourself to others, and this is the basic reason for the lack of contentment. Don't ever underestimate the power that envy and comparing yourselves to others will have over you. Let's think about money. There will always be people who have more money than you, no matter what job or savings account you have. In theory, there's only one person out of 350 or so million people in America who has more money than everyone else. However, with all that money, I would guess that he still may not be content, because he will always want to have more money or power, similar to the way we all are. So I would hazard to guess that he possibly may not be a happy camper, even with all the money, prestige, and corporate power. I think it's important to make a statement about contentment and wanting more in our lives. God does not mean that we should be satisfied with our present place in life, our net worth, our existing job or circumstances, thereby not striving to grow or improve. But we indeed should strive to improve, work hard and seek rewards for our efforts, learn, grow, and develop in all areas of our life, and be satisfied and generous with what we do have. As recently preached in my church, envy and comparisons are the chief sources of discontentment, and these can have a disastrous effect on all of us in the decisions we make. But with the proper attitude, we can be content with God's leadership and provision for our lives. He wants you to trust Him to give you what you need. God will open doors for you and close others permanently if that's what's best for you. As a young engineer, I always wanted to have a side job to provide more money and satisfy my entrepreneurial desires, even though I was making a decent salary for my age. Talking to a friend in the early 80s, we decided to look into opening a video store long before Netflix or streaming was around. Our plan was to have one successful store and then franchise it. My wife was lukewarm on the idea but agreed to go along with it until she went into a store and saw the types of R-rated movies that were being rented. She was no longer lukewarm, and we agreed that we would not partake in this adventure. 
So God closed that door for us, and I realized that it was much better for me not to be part of that business venture. My partner made a go of it until technology caught up with him, and then it all went quickly south. Spending time developing the business would have caused me to limit my family time, taken away any free time I had, and making me unavailable to coach my son's sports teams, all of which were really important to me. While I wanted to have my own business, I really wanted a balance in my life between family, church, and business, which were way more important. So as time passed, I kept striving for more money and responsibility. At the same time, I had to look internally at my talents and also my limitations and learn to set my expectations in a realistic manner and learn to settle for what I really was capable of handling. That said, my home and family life still ranked as my number one priority, especially when my wife found out she had cancer. I had to balance my life as a husband, a father, uh, with my life as a project manager and then the manager of the chemical engineering department. I simply had to learn that I could not put all my energy and life into my work, but it had to take second place to many other responsibilities. I had to learn to be content with my present position, salary, and corporate role. I mentioned that I had to look closely at my limitations. Have you ever taken the time to carefully and honestly examine your limitations? It's not easily done and also can be distressing and upsetting. For instance, I knew quickly that I would never be the company president or hold an elite position in the company. However, I saw how capable some managers were and I knew that I could certainly do a better job with a little training and experience. So the message is, seek to obtain what you are capable of doing and what is within your reach and set your expectations accordingly. Continue to strive to learn, improve, and seek excellence in all you can do and you can reach your attainable goals. So how do we develop contentment? Here are five steps to becoming more content. One, stop comparing yourself to others. Generally, you'll be comparing your less favorable or worse features to their best ones. Two, decide that you are willing to live on what God has already given you and his plans for you. Three, Here's the key one. Decide that you are at peace for others to have more than you. Four, decide you're willing and prepared for others to succeed beyond you. Five, give to others in need, and you will find that blessing others is more important than hoarding it all for yourself. As stated above, God will provide many open doors for you, and he will close some as well. Take advantage of all that he opens for you and don't worry about any others that he closes as it's for your own good. Keep your personal, corporate, physical, and spiritual life in balance. Here are two quick stories for you. I was called in by my boss one day when I was the manager of the chemical engineering department and he told me he was promoting me to engineering manager. I first thanked him for that but wanted to let him know that even in that lofty position, I was still planning to leave the office at 4 p.m., which was the official closing time, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, as I had 15 12-year-old boys waiting for me on the soccer field to coach them. If my priority was not in line with what he was expecting, I told him just to let me know and I'd decline the promotion. Of course, it was fine with him, and my family life was still of paramount importance to me. Over 42 years, I worked in managing large oil and gas, engineering, and construction projects. 
I always had outside interests and obligations to fulfill, along with doing my assigned business responsibilities. So when retirement time came around, I put my plan together of what I wanted to do for the years to come, which was highlighting or accentuating my outside interests. A person cannot go from working 50 or 60 hours a week to zero hours a week, being home all day, and expect to have a fulfilling and contented retirement. Retirement day came around and my superiors were all successful VPs. They expected me to accept a contract and continue working, albeit in a different capacity. They were amazed when I told them I had no intention of continuing to work on a contract basis. I was content with all that God had provided for me and what I had saved. I simply had enough of the corporate life and wanted to pursue my many other interests. They were amazed and even one stated how envious he was that I knew what I was going to do in retirement as he had no life outside his career. Having kept a balance in my life throughout my career, I was able to develop other interests which formed the basis of my retirement plan. I was so grateful that I had put balance in my life and that I had a great marriage and equally good relationship with my son. God has been a big part of our lives and I'm so blessed for that. Did that balance cost me in my career? Well, maybe. I felt I could have reached the VP level, which is one step over my director level, but I felt blessed and was very content with where I was in life and the personal decisions I had made. I may have been able to make more money, but felt I was much more blessed with the course I took. I am convinced that feeling content was a strong motivator in going in that direction. Was I complacent in my job? Never. Did I work hard? Always. Did I strive for excellence in all I did, even if it took a, lo a bit longer? Absolutely. Did I push my boss on occasion for a better raise and more responsibility? Yeah, of course. But I was really deep down content in what I was doing and how much I was making. Yes, God met all my needs. Did he meet all my wants? Not necessarily. But we have been blessed beyond belief, so that now we can be a blessing to others. Isn't that what we really want in life? Being content does not mean being complacent but just not being envious of others or letting the ways of the world direct your lives. I do remember when I was in my 40s that I felt very content, and it was a very exhilarating feeling. I truly felt I had a great job, a healthy body and mind, a great marriage, and a wonderful and loving son, and a decent spiritual walk with God. I had all my needs, I had all my needs met. What more could I want? I was consistently comparing myself to others. There would have been many things I'd be discontent with if I had done that, but God is good. My wife reminded me of that one day when we were leaving a colleague's house who lived on a prestigious golf course in Austin, Texas, and I stated, boy, he has the life. She reminded me that he didn't have God in his life, probably never gave any money away to the church and others, but he was a nice guy, but a lost soul in God's eye. I quickly put my envy aside and counted my blessing. Here are a few Bible verses regarding contentment and having the peace of God in your lives. 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10. But godliness and contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. 
for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Hebrews 13.5 Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Philippians 4.11 and 12 Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Did you know that if you had a roof over your head, a car in the garage, food on the table, that you were wealthier than 95% of the world's population? Being financially rich is all relative. It depends on who you are comparing yourself to. So why am I telling you all this? Be content with what God has given you is one of the toughest things you will battle throughout your career. Each one of you is a special person with great attributes, such as having a very positive outlook on life, a great work ethic, a strong desire to succeed, and you are all chomping at the bit to get started in your career and be a success. A love for God and what he has in mind for you and the last thing you have is a giving attitude. How many of you know takers who are always looking to get something from others? So just keep in mind how blessed you really are. The takeaway message. With these attitudes, I am convinced that you will work hard to be successful and be eager to advance in your careers. Work hard, strive for excellence in all you do, stay close to God, marry a godly person, be generous and be content in all your circumstances and you will be blessed beyond belief. Above all, do not compare any part of your life or being with another person as this will breed discontent. Be content with who you are and remember that you were made in God's image. Let's move on to my chapter two called Carelessness. Years ago, my brother told me I had to clean up one of my messes around the house, and I obliged and did a half-hearted job. He came back to me and told me to do it again and get it right this time. I clearly remember his message of 60 years ago. You don't have time to do it right the first time, but you've got time to redo it. Carelessness is the killer of your credibility, and it's the biggest issue years ago I had with my bosses. I have since learned the hard way that I will never issue a document or email to anyone with typos, misspelling, or blatant errors in it, as it will ruin my credibility that I had with them. Just picture them saying, you can't even write a simple email without errors in it. I can just imagine what the rest of your work looks like. So even today, I reread all emails, texts, and documents to correct any errors I see, as that is a very basic reflection of me and my work. Seek excellence in everything you do, even the little things. I get texts all the time with typos in them, and the autocorrect feature on our phone exacerbates this problem. You'll be hurriedly texting someone and you'll misspell a word or the wrong word will be written by the phone software. As we are so busy, we don't take the time to read what we've written, but quickly send, hit the send button. Sometimes the message is indecipherable. And so I've had to ask questions of what the reader meant, the sender meant to say. 
So now the sender has to read what was written and resend it with apologies, thus taking more time than it would have taken to reread it, the, correct, the original message, and correct the original message. As stated above, you need to remember that carelessness is the killer of your credibility. I've had people whom I am helping get a job and have read their resume, which had typos in it. If there was ever a document which needed to be perfect, it is your resume. That said, the person didn't take the time to proofread it. Can you believe it? So why am I focusing on this somewhat trivial subject? Because it's more important than you think. It's critical in all walks of life that you have an image of being credible and responsible and that people know they can put their faith in what you say and do. I had to learn this lesson the hard way and I'm trying to help you conquer that issue starting today. I think one of the keys to conquering carelessness is focusing at the task at hand and not trying to do many things simultaneously. Give your full attention to writing in a clear and correct manner and ensure that all your communications are done in the same manner. When you're communicating anything in writing, you must read everything carefully again before you send it and make sure your message is getting across and that there are no, in, in, there are no errors in the document. I know that you're all in a rush, but seriously, rereading something you take well, only a few seconds and minimal time invested is well worth it. You need to get in the habit now as this carries forth for years. In addition, if a letter or a note you're sending is really important, meaning the message itself or who you're sending it to, such as your boss or your boss's boss, or a conventional or, or a controversial or provocative message, I always say sleep on it before you send it. Many times I've thought of other things I wanted to add to it, better ways to express my thoughts or correct anything that needs it. This is another means to seek excellence in all you do. Also, if you're sending an anger-filled note, go ahead and write it, but don't send it right away. Let your anger simmer down and then decide the next day whether to change it or preferably even delete it. So take heed and put into practice the simple action and you will be seen in a much better light. So what's the takeaway message? Take the time to reread everything you write before you send it, whether it's personal or professional, as it will reflect on how people view you and your message. On very important, critical, confrontational, or controversial emails or notes, think about delaying it until you've had a chance to close it for a while, and maybe overnight, then reread it, make any changes that come to mind since it was written. You will not regret taking some extra time to make sure these are correct and still worthy of sending. I hope addressing these two topics has been useful to you. My next podcast will be on the most important topic affecting your life and lifestyle, and that is living a healthy lifestyle. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll tune in next time. Bye for now.